Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer! Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are churning through HBO Succession. We're on episode three. This episode is titled <laughs> Lifeboats. <laughs> Pretty cringy, uh, but oh, we're going to talk through it. <laughs> this is our, uh, it's like a little offshoot of Mangum Talks TV. It's our three drink minimum, so we're going to be a little loose. Mm -hmm. Fire away. Uh, it's going to be a very um, free-flowing conversation, as it were. But before we get into it, Spencer, I would like to talk to you a little bit. Well, you can talk to me a little bit about the and I'm going to tell you this right now, widely, widely popular Mangum Reads. You guys are killing it. Really? You know, me never oh, actually Oh, man, listenership it. is way up. Seriously, what did we do? I don't know. Well, you started reviewing Harry Potter. You know, that could be a thing. That That is a very, you know, that is a logical deduction that I rely on from you, Lily. Uh, yeah, our little Harry Potter podcast has gone quite well. We're recording another episode this Friday, and it, it has been a delight for me to finally read through the book that so many of my friends have really built so much of their literary lives around. It has really informed so much of what they enjoyed about fantasy or fiction. And now I'm understanding it. It is a kind of looking back perspective for me as an adult, but there is just such charm and whimsy and care and humor in this that I am enamored in a way I didn't expect to be from this kind of retroactive readback. Sarah's going to be so happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm also but no, I, but really, dude, I, I, yeah. go ahead. I'm also really amused that BJ isn't. But you know, we have a, we have a, a real array of views when it comes to this podcast. But I, I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, like I didn't expect to like Harry Potter, but like Sarah got me into it, and dude, I was like, I've gotten deep in the weeds. Mm -hmm. I've read all the books, watched all the movies. Matter of fact, we watch all the movies one time every year, right around the holidays. I have still seen one and a half of them, and I don't remember which the half was. I think it involved um, a guy in jail, and there was another guy who was a werewolf. Yeah, okay. I know which one you watched. Yeah, yeah. Serious Black. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but that's what's going on with Mangum Reads. It's called Pottering Around. It's a podcast within a podcast. Watch it. Uh, we'll listen to it. Also, listen to Whiskey on the Weekends. Um, mm -hmm. We release an episode every Friday if we have an episode to release. Mm -hmm. uh, but we will have one this Friday and next Friday and the foreseeable Fridays. It's a lot of fun. We drink whiskey. We talk. We make fun of BJ and Levi. It's a blast. And now, I, Spencer. Yeah. Do you want to get into this episode? I would. All right. So I want to start out with uh, just a very small point. That when you do the H, watch an HBO show, right? They do the like the weird like, um, you know, like the snow or whatever. Yeah, it's part of the charm. Yeah, exactly. And then they cut to okay, this is like, you know, parental advisory, and they show you like okay, there's violence, there's language, there's whatever. This episode had brief nudity. It did. Yeah, listed. And I'm going to tell you, that's a hell of a wild card with this show. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't really give you much uh, grounds to know what to expect, really. Yeah, but it's also like, okay, everything's on the table. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I did notice the brief nudity. I was like, okay, well, we'll see what that is. Didn't really expect it to play out how it did. Oh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll get in the recap. So, episode three, Lifeboats, we start um, this episode with Kendall. He's the acting CEO. Mm-hmm. And boy, is he acting like it. Uh, he gets up to work out early, doing a little Tybo. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and God, what kind of fucking apartment does he have in New York City? He's got like a full gym. 
Yeah, that is an impressive size apartment where, by comparison, most people I know that are even fairly well-to-do live in overgrown cardboard boxes. Wow, yeah, he, he's uber rich. Um, but anyway, he goes to a gym. Um, and <laughs> did you notice this? He used an electric toothbrush in the shower. Yes, yes, he did. I wrote that down. This man is a douche. God, he's the worst. I should have been electrocuted. Uh, Kendall gets in very early. He's the first one in the office. Um, how much, he's walking around. His go ahead. How much time would you say has passed between these two episodes? Because it's been a bit of a time jump, I would say. Maybe a, two days. I, I was thinking even a little bit longer than that, given some of the references about how long it had been since they'd seen their dad since he came home. But it's been a period of time. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, I was thinking through the lens of the stock price. True. We don't know where it started, but God, is it with God? We know where it's ended up. And it seems to be dropping so rapidly that I can't imagine it's been doing it for weeks. Like otherwise, it'd be like fucking you know roses or something. <laughs> That'll be fair. Kendall does a lot this episode to encourage that. <laughs> God, he's the worst. So he goes in super early. It's probably like, I don't know. What would you say, Spencer? Like six o'clock, five thirty in the morning. Way too early to be reasonable. Yes. About the time you go to bed. <laughs> Fair, yes. And sometimes go into the office, too, but I haven't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> but you make sure you have shoes on. You're, you're good about that. Well, I do uh, once I feel that I don't have them on, yes. <laughs> Kendall's walking around his dad's desk. Uh, is this bittersweet or just a regular sweet moment? Like, I don't know, I don't know right? Because, like, like, you would think Kendall knows, well, this isn't really mine. Yeah. And so that would put it in the bittersweet category. Or is it, this is what I've always wanted... And I think I'm actually going to keep this. Therefore, it's a sweet moment. It's hard to read his uh, his particular emotions in the early part of this episode. I interpreted it at the time as being, I've come to where I should be. But it's also very possible there can be an element of bittersweet of where this is not how I wanted this to happen. Or this is not actually real power. This is inherently temporary. Yeah. yeah I, it's hard to tell. So we cut to Logan's apartment. And Marsha is generally in the home health aides. God There's like is. a cavalcade of people here. Um, shout out to Marsha, right? I've been very impressed with her over the last few episodes. I mean, the first episode, I kind of described her as being purposely removed from the scene of things. But now that she has been forced into the trenches by Logan's condition, she is in command. There is no one that can exert control over her or try to in any way influence her beyond what she believes to be best and she is directing to occur. And that is impressive. Which we see because um, we cut to Shiv. Um, well, well, we see it later, not in this next scene. But we cut to Shiv's uh, apartment and Tom is leaving. Um, Tom, ever the romantic, uh, gets down and talks to Shiv's vagina. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't do that when you leave in the morning? Come on. Yeah, it's a, that's God. a real Spencer move right there. That's it. <laughs> pulling, out of the, pulling out of the leech catalog. Uh, he says... Um, to the vagina, uh, you miss me, I miss you too. Maybe we should arrange a date when she's not here. Uh, she, but what's so great about this is like, Ship seems to like this. She does. This is like, if I did this to my wife, my wife would be like, dude, you have fucking, like, stop with the Molly. Like, please. <laughs> Don't personify parts of me, please. But she says, you're weird. And he goes, no, you're weird. Um, it's about par for the course um, with the pillow talk in this house. Um, go ahead. It, it was interesting this episode. I've been several, episodes, two episodes in a row now, talking about how I don't get their relationship. There were a couple times in this episode that I got to see, okay, this is twisted, but they work. Huh. You see, you see why I told you to table it? You did. 
I I get I don't get it, but I get it. I've seen it now. <laughs> you're you're gonna get it. I, okay, you're it, gonna get it. It I works promise. for them. Fine. Uh, Ship proposes they go see Logan, and Tom is like, "Well, I actually have to work, like for real, like really, I have to work, like really." And she's like, "Yeah, no, fuck you. Like you're going <laughs> you're with going. me." Going, <laughs> and of course he does. Oh God, it's like <laughs> twice this episode. This episode, she calls in the middle of his board meeting and makes him go, like. Meet somebody on the street for a talk. It's like, she is, we're very, made, made very apparent this episode that whatever she wants happens regardless of consequences to Tom. Yeah, and and, and we'll get into that dynamic later. But like, yeah, I mean, there, there's clearly something between them that's romantic, but there's also a power dynamic that is not remotely fair. Yeah. Um, so Kendall, uh, we cut to Kendall. He's back at the office. He's FaceTiming with his ex. Uh, her name is Rava. Mm-hmm. And she is not into it. <laughs> She's busy with the kids, and he is, like, being super needy. Uh, basically, he's trying to ask her, like, okay, well, I'm thinking about doing this with the company. What do you think? Uh, Spencer, do you think this scene would have happened if she hadn't held his hand in the hospital that we talked about last episode? We don't have much frame for ref- for where they were before that moment, but, yeah, I'm really inclined to believe that that moment has indicated to him that they are in some way partners again, and now he can come to her with just regular day business advice. Though, normally speaking, I wouldn't necessarily go to an untrained loved one to ask about the future decision-making of my company. <laughs> well, not at that level. No. no, but yeah, I agree with you. This is very much a direct line of, you gave me hope, now I'm acting as if this is our future. Yeah. So low key, one of the thing uh, things I like about this scene is Rava uh, suggests he asks Roman <laughs> about what to do with yeah. this quandary he's posing her, and he goes, "Roman, come on, <laughs> my COO, this is, no. this is his COO. Like he's just so dismissive, <laughs> with good cause. But still, you picked this man as your CEO as a necessary compromise. All right, we cut to Roman. He's also living that executive life." Uh, a very aggressive personal trainer is working him out. Yeah. Um, Spencer, question for you. When you watch this, did you think there might be a gay angle here? I watched this with Bridget. We turned to each other about midway through this episode. We paused it to say, okay, we're getting a lot of mixed signs from Robin here. What is this man? Is this man gay, straight, bisexual, asexual? We've had evidence for all of the above. Yeah, I kind of did too. Um, anyway, yeah, you're right. Roman is a really tough sort of character to figure out. But the stretch he's doing to Roman looks incredible. Oh, my God, Spencer. Oh, can you imagine waking up to that every morning? Oh, no. Among the category of things that I would be very, very happy to afford if I could afford it, personal trainer that could give me those kind of stretches would be great. You could afford it. You don't want to pay for it. Um, Roman. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Roman, in an effort to explain he's serious about the workout, uh, says this line, which we, we may need to institute a new uh, a new segment. Are you willing to do that with me? What, what segment are we talking about? Roman's line of the episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, please. That'd be fun. Okay, I'm going to nominate this one. He says, I'm serious. I'm serious as cancer. Who says that? <laughs> I mean, I'm getting familiar enough fuck? with the show that if someone just said that as a unlike unconnected quote on the street i would say that's something roman would say because 
only he would get away with saying that kind of thing. I'm serious as cancer. What a fucking crazy thing to say. Anyway, a lot of good Roman lines in this episode, but we cut to Tom and Shib. They're showing up at Logan's just as a very distressed nurse is leaving. Mm -hmm. uh, not a good sign. Um, I can't imagine Logan is a great patient. Like, ever. No. He's not a great person, period, and moments like this, can't picture it adding to the experience. Though, from what we see of him, mostly I'm picturing this being Marsha. Logan seems pretty out of it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, but Marsha tells Shib she can't see him. Um, and they kind of get into like a little bit of a back and forth, and Tom finally goes to, to break the tension. He says, well, maybe just go check with Logan to see if he's changed his mind. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Tom. Yeah, good compromise good effort right there. Yeah, he, he kind of broke the tension. Uh, Tom keeps trying to leave. He has to go to work. Damn it, Ship. Um, Ship thanks one of the assistants. She just wants some dirt. Mm -hmm. uh, she asks how Logan's doing, and the lady flatly refuses to answer and walks away. <laughs> Wise move on that lady's part. I picture Marsha would cut her if she'd said a damn thing. Yeah, she is his proxy. Mm -hmm. I am in charge. I love that line from the last episode. Some of, surely one of my favorite lines of the, of the entire season. Uh, Kendall, back cut to Kendall. He's watching Raystar uh, Royko's stock oh, tank. Bruh. Tank with Jerry. And I mean, he's sitting and looking at the stock price. My question for you is like, come on, man. Like, do work. Yeah. Like, do something. <laughs> like, you sitting and looking at the stock is not going to help it. Like, maybe whatever you're going to go do isn't going to help it, but there's a better chance that that might help. Like, like go talk to the press. Get on MSNBC. Oh, yeah. Get on Fox News Business. Like, do what you have to do to try to help the stock price. Don't just sit in your office and watch it. Yeah, we're going to discuss at some point before this episode over if what Kendall should have done in this situation to actually improve their state rather than what he did. But my initial suggestion in that regard is, like you, he should have gone right out in front of the stockholders, right in front of the news media, and basically just say, everything's fine. Business is normal until further notice. The best thing you can do right now is not rock the ship. Don't disturb them. Don't give them anything new. Don't give them anything exciting. Just say that we're keeping on going. Business as usual. That way, yeah. at worst, you won't hemorrhage. You might go down a little bit, but you won't have any risk of cataclysmic flight in lifeboats from what you are. <laughs> but instead... What he does is hold up, watch the stock price, bitch and moan to Jerry and Roman. And then he gets a representative from the financial oh, institution that loaned <laughs> Logan money all those years ago. So if you, you kind of forgotten from the last episode, basically Logan, in an effort to get into, I believe it was Parks, um, yeah. took out a massive loan Billions. that was secured against uh, his company's stock um, that he has not yet repaid. And I and, and this is something I don't really understand. Maybe Spencer, you do. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the 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 guarantee on the loan is that his company stock stays over one thirty. Mm -hmm. If it drops below one thirty, then they can I guess ask for repayment in full, which would implode the company. It, it, it's a similar thing you see for a lot of secured transactions. Like say even like uh, the mortgage you guys have, uh, that a lot of them will say that you have a duty to maintain and protect and preserve the collateral. That what is securing our investment, you have an obligation to make sure it is in the best condition. And if you fail in that, we can immediately foreclose. And so this is a similar kind of thing where if you're not keeping the stock price up, you are hurting what is our security and our investment. And if it reaches a certain point of damage, we have a right to just cut our losses and immediately demand full repayment. 
Yeah. Uh, but before, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good explanation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But before he starts his call, Kendall tells Jerry he's going to scrap the plan. Oh. He's good. He's going to wing it. Because because Rava just said, oh, well, Hulk's the green one, right? And that's enough for him to rewrite his entire business strategy. And he says this. He's like, well, my dad's an asshole. I should be an asshole, right? And Jerry, God bless her, gives him a look like. You. And this actress, by the way, is She's so great. good She's at nonverbal good. communication. Because mm-hmm. she just like, it's so clear. Like she says, yeah, okay. But it's so clear that she thinks he's an idiot. This show does okay really well. Of where a lot of characters say okay over the course of these episodes and mean very different things by it. And the actress who plays, it's Jerry is her name, right? Yep. Does wonderfully for that. Of where you can see in her eyes that she's one of the most long-suffering people in this company and knows that this is a disaster happening in mode. Yeah, and, and like, you know, Kendall's such an idiot. You're not in a position of strength here. Uh-uh. Like, this is not a time to, like, you know, big boy somebody. Not at all. You do, for one, you don't have the power or reputation your dad does at all. They're looking for confidence in the security of their investment, which means you not doing things to disturb them. Best thing you could do right now is be polite, be kind, and ask for a favor. Now, Spencer, how do you think Logan would have handled this call? Uh, Logan could have browbeat the shit out of them. Logan could have done whatever he damn well pleased because Logan's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Kendall is not. And that's, and, 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 and that's because the collateral is his talent, right? right. The collateral is his, yeah, is his talent, is his reputation. He is what's providing the ultimate guarantee on their security. So he can do as he well pleases. If he acts like a dick, in some ways that's just reassuring them that their, company, that their investment is solid. Meanwhile, they don't know Kendall from Adam. So anything he says to disturb them is tanking their expectations. Well... This guy on the phone, shout out to this guy. He's a pretty funny guy. He explains to Kendall that, well, you know, here's the terms. Mm -hmm. If the stock price dips below 130, Raystar has broken the debt debt covenant, and we're going to call him the loan. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Kendall, he's so bad at negotiating. He's like, yeah, yeah, but what? Really, 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 really. You know, like, he's such a fucking idiot. And finally, he tells this guy to fuck off. And then they have a silence-off. Have you ever had a silence-off in your life? I'm so bad at silence-offs. They are an incredibly effective power move. They really are. And this guy, this banker, whoever this is, plays it perfectly. Of where Kendall has insulted him. And he does not say a word. Because he knows the next person that talks loses. I So, <clears throat> I, I know you do a lot of negotiation. You do a lot of working with clients with whoever but i work with a lot of folks where we're negotiating contracts Mm -hmm. and i have had a silence off more times than i can count sure they'll say well we're not going to indemnify you and i go okay well the client's not indemnified us so that doesn't work for us and then beat 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 and to your point it's the most alpha move you can ever do yeah. If you are willing to wait them out, if you're willing to make them come to you to restart the conversation, you have set the control going forward. And this guy plays it perfectly, and Kendall does not have even the slightest clue what's going on. So Kendall loses the silence off, and the guy on the phone says, well, if you need to communicate with me again, let's do it through a third party. Quote, I'm not a particular fan of foul language, and I don't like to be insulted. Thank you. Good morning. Click. And... 
Kendall is left without the slightest clue what just happened while Jerry just has her head. Or, she doesn't literally have her head in her hands, but she clearly wants to. Well, she knows he's an idiot. But th- this guy must have really hated Logan. Now, he must have respected Logan, obviously, to hold this loan for that long yeah. or to give it to him in the first place. But, like, he has to hate Logan because <laughs> if he doesn't, if he's being honest here and he doesn't like foul language, give me a break. You know, Logan has cussed him out many times. Now, he's purposely taking a strong power stance against Kendall because he knows he knows and sees that Kendall is weak. And as you said, he probably hates Logan's guts and sees or is betting that Logan's not going to recover to a position that he, this could lead to blow back on him. Yeah, because he does say during the call that like I don't particularly appreciate how your how your father treated us. But, yeah, right? I can only imagine so, what that was. Yeah, so like Kendall really misread that because like he's like, "Why well, need to be like my father?" And the guy's like, "Well, like." I didn't really like your father. No, so, didn't like your father. Yeah. And you don't have the cachet that he does. So that ain't going to work. And then in comes my man, Roman. He was listening in. He's like, you were listening? Yeah, of course. I'm CEO. Um, and Kendall was panicking. Uh, he's like, no, it's, it's this is terrible. This is, oh my God, we're going to lose the company. And uh, Kendall says, or, well, Roman says, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And Kendall says, no, it necessarily won't. And then Kendall, uh, sorry, Roman drops this line. Potential Roman line of the episode, by the way. Dude, I was only trying to be nice. That was a shit show and you handled it like a moron. My favorite. truth. My favorite line of the episode. It's great. (laughs) Just breaking him at the knees at his worst moment. He's, goddamn, Roman is so funny. But yeah, Roman listened in and he knew that was a shit show. Um, Not good for Kendall there. We cut to Greg arriving for his first day at work. Now, Spencer, when you go... I mean, you know, we both had first day at works. Yeah. You don't know your job title? Uh, I've never... You don't know the name of the person who hired you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the state that Greg is in. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Greg. (laughs) He, He knows nothing. He has no verification whatsoever other than I'm supposed to work here because Logan Roy gave me a job. I don't know what that job is. And I don't know the last name of anyone you can call. Which, by the way, did you catch the look of the receptionist when he said Logan Roy oh, yeah. appointed? She's like, what? Like, that's not true. And then, shout out Tom. Tom walks in and Greg goes, hey, Tom, Tom, Tom. And he goes, oh, hey. And he keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> Though, apparently, Tom did actually put it in the record that Greg would be coming up. Because the secretary double checks and goes, oh, you're Greg. Okay. Well, he says you're Greg Roy, right? Yeah. Because Tom Which doesn't even know his name. name. But he's like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm practically a Roy. Uh, Shib storms into the Raystar. Uh, I'm going to call this the war room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's frantic about, or she's frantic about not seeing Logan. Um, she points out that no one has seen him. Um, Roman's like, well, I saw him for like, you know, 15 minutes. But it wasn't really him. So I, I don't really think Roman saw him. No, <laughs> no. Roman just wanted this. to say something. Um, and she's like, and it was an interesting moment here in how this actress acted this. She's like, please help me talking to Kendall. And she kind of puts on like a weird little pouty face. She does. Like she's a little girl still. Yeah. It was very like sister to brother thing. And Kendall breaks and he goes, okay, fine. Like, we'll do this. I'll go over there. I'll try to see it. Uh, and then (laughs) she leaves. She says, is everything okay? Uh, Kendall says, no, we are on the brink of total corporate collapse. And she says, well, that figures. 
Call me if you go Lehman, will you? I might want some of these chairs. <laughs> Thank you, loving sibling. Oh, she's the worst. Uh, Kindle now has pulled together a meeting. Yeah, I don't think this is a board meeting. I think it's like, is it like Logan's direct reports? It's not a board meeting. I don't think there's any actual, you know, like shareholders here. This seems like an no. officer meeting. Yeah, like, so like, it's like, if it's not his reports, it's at least like the heads of certain divisions. Yeah. Um, and Jerry and Carolina are trying to convince Kendall not to go through with this meeting. She's like, as he's walking to the meeting, they're like, no, you really don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendall says, fuck it, I'm going anyway. Um, and he does his very best. Like, I don't have the confidence for this, but I'm going to attempt a Steve Bomber impression. Right. Because yes. he walks in. Everybody. Yeah. But it's like real soft. Yeah. It doesn't land. Um, I also like. Tom entering the room. Did you catch this? I saw Tom entering the room. Yes. He says, let's fix the Death Star. Let's fix it. Let's fix it. Grill on the exhaust vent. Grill on the exhaust vent. Shout out to Star Wars fans. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's just like, is this, is this, I mean, it, here's a question. Is this Tom's first like meeting of these yep. kind of officers? Yeah, it is. Because, you know, he, uh, Kendall points that out. Yeah. And Tom right. tries to talk and Kendall cuts him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, now here's a line that I think you're really going to like in your leader Spencer he says I just wanted to get the gang together early in my tenure and say yo <sighs> you know like, <laughs> there's some great dialogue and lines in this show but for the sake of my continued health and as you know I don't go to doctors so I kind of rely on just running along this string of my life don't repeat certain lines in this show they hurt me I cannot promise to do that. I know. Um, but God, Roman these Kindle lines hurt. They hurt so it's much. It's awful. He's such a douche. But Roman is a tour de force in this meeting. Yeah. He calls out that Logan put on a sack. Yeah, well, it's good. He put on a sack. <laughs> Which Kendall immediately dials back. That you're like, he's clearly joking. Like, he put on a sock. And then Kendall says, well, he tried to put on a sock. That's true. What are you doing? Why, are you, why even say anything more on that? Dude, yeah, just let that lie. Um, Kendall then starts to try to rally the troops. It's super uninspiring. And he lists off some of their challenges. And Roman says, this one, I love this. Uh, Internet man, fucking game changer. (laughs) Great call 30 years ago. And and Lawrence, who heads a vaulter, who um, Kendall, you know, of course, worked to procure, Mm -hmm just looks disgusted at yeah. all of this like oh my god it's like he smelled like a wet fart like he is an unhappy man mm-hmm. Kendall uh comes up with the world's worst analogy we need a more dynamic strategy let's call it for the sake of clarity the strategy of a thousand lifeboats uh, uh, lifeboats Spencer lifeboats among the many lifeboats? words that should never be said at a meeting that somebody's going to leak that one ranks high. Dude, that is awful. Like, I, 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 I'm kind of trying to think, like, what could he say that would be worse? I mean, we t- I talked about earlier that the best thing you could do right here is just assure them that I'm steering the ship as it was going. We're going to go into the port that was previously set. Everything is hunky-dory and fine. Instead, he goes, we need to basically devise a plan by which we flee from our current state and find refuge elsewhere in, as said, lifeboats. The worst possible oh. thing he could be doing right now. 
and he's now, making Spencer, up their game plan. Let's say your firm is, let's say you're going to make partner, obviously. Let's say you make partner and you're, it's the Spencer Leach, what the fuck ever in Florida. <laughs> and your firm is collapsing and you're trying to give them a motivational speech. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's find lifeboats. Where does that rank? Uh, that ranks somewhat below me walking to the room, tripping and breaking my skull. Because at least then there's a different message than fundamental distrust in the future confidence of our company. Now, is it a, is it above the idea of uh, let's invest in VR and porn? Because that's what my main man Roman comes up with. <laughs> uh, no, I think the VR and porn actually has a better potential than whatever the hell Kindle's going with. <laughs> Completely agree. Like Roman actually seems like he's a nut, but he seems a little bit more capable than fucking Kindle. Uh, but yeah, he points that. Out. He's like, well, can we do for it? VR? Can we do porn? And then like Kindle, such a douche. He goes, well, this is not a brainstorming session. Like, let's just move on. You just said it was. You just invited everyone to throw out whatever ideas they want. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, Kendall kind of shuts the meeting off and Roman, oh my God, MVP of the episode just goes, okay, everybody, lifeboats. <laughs> and within minutes, that of course gets leaked to the medium. Yeah. Kendall gets an update like so fast. It, I think the quote is, um, he's de- the, the, the stock is down three points and AP has this headline race star. Uh, CEO tells staff they are headed for an iceberg. <laughs> Shit leaked in like minutes, dude. And is there any doubt in your mind that that was Lawrence? Oh, God, no. Of course absolutely not. Absolutely Lawrence. It was absolutely him. Yeah, no doubt whatsoever that he probably was tweeting that before he even left the meeting. Fuck yeah. He, like, that's a fucking sour apple if ever there was, well, a rotting apple if ever there was one. But then we have Jerry who actually takes Kindle seriously and says, okay, you want ideas. I've got some ideas. I've vetted them. I've worked them out. God knows how much time this lady spent on her ideas. And he just completely dismisses her. And he says this. I'm going to continue to quote uh, <laughs> Kindle because it frustrates you. Go on. He says, well, I need to take a walk. I need to get some altitude on this. Altitude on this, Spencer. Yeah, I know he said that. He said that. And God, this moment hurt me. Because Jerry is really actually trying to help this utterly helpless individual. She has vetted ideas that she clearly probably has put together over years that she wasn't able to bring to Logan or even ran by Logan and rejected. But they're ideas that she is personally endorsing. And she would have taken them in legitimate effort to give him a lifeline, an actual lifeboat for what he just put himself in. And he just casually rebuffs it and basically just says, no, I want new ideas. He, Yeah, he says, like, well, they were rejected before, which he doesn't even know that they were rejected before. Yeah. Like, they could have been either, like, not presented or they could have been tabled. Like, he's such a douche. Yeah. Um, All right, so then we cut to uh, Roman, who's looking at his email. A lot of emails. God, does that look familiar. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Whew. (laughs) Well, you have help. True. I've got a whole cycle of people that are looking at my emails. You, on the other hand, God help you to respond to all those during the course I've of the day. God fucking me. So I take a day and a half off. I've got four hundred emails. But oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's just true. But anyway, let, I'm I don't work blue. You do. So I'm gonna back up here. And I'm gonna let you explain what happens in this scene. Go, Spencer. Okay. Well, to the best of my ability, and I shall use a certain degree of euphemisms to describe. 
upon seeing this overwhelming deluge of emails that is descending upon him, Roman decides that he needs a certain measure of perhaps relaxation and a certain assertion of dominance over a space that is increasingly feeling outside of his control. So Ooh. he decides that the best thing he could do to ensure a certain moment of privacy is being in one of those annoying as shit glass offices, which I hate those. He decides to pull down the blinds, approach his window to survey his whole domain, and then drop trow and um, consult with the uh, bald bishop, as it were, uh, as he proceeds to masturbate on the window before the entire skyline. That good enough for you? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then he does a very poor job cleaning it up. Um, he opens his blinds and he says, I'm open for business. <laughs> Which no one gives a shit about, by the way. Like the entire floor just kind of was like, okay, great. <laughs> uh, in terms of things I would expect Roman to do, didn't that one didn't occur to me, but it probably should have. Wait. <laughs> oh god there's of course there's more why am i asking yeah. if there's more yes there's roman there's more <laughs> uh then we got to kendall he's meeting a friend of his he calls stewie which is actually steve um and he wants some advice he's basically asking like you know, kind of like how i go to you spencer i'm like spencer i got some shit going on can you talk to me god. the difference mm-hmm. is that stewie is actually in the same sector and actually is a player um next to kendall so it's a very bad idea right but before he can even talk to Stewie about this, um, he <laughs> Stewie slash Steve says, "Hey, uh, before we get going, is it cool if like a friend of mine dates your ex-wife? Is that cool?" Uh, you know, I'm I'm rather thick, but just to make sure, he's talking about himself here, right? I, I actually I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't think it matters. It's just like a super power move. Oh, it's still a massive power move. Whatever you just called me here for, I now want to hit you with the knees with this incredibly clearly personal thing that's going to rattle you before we get on to what you actually wanted to talk about. Okay, go. And there's probably a reason he does that. Because yeah. uh, Kendall's very shaky. He says it's fine. Um, he explains to uh, Steve about the loan. And this guy is a T-bomb dropper. He basically says, like, well, you need to get the price of the stock up. Because your bank won't step up, but that won't happen because people don't like the sector, they don't like the firm, and they certainly don't like you. Well, it's tough. <laughs> what a friend. This, yeah. You know what this is? This is like our friend Doug. Yeah. <laughs> he just basically says, well, you know what? You're fucked. Sorry. Yeah. Sometimes you do need to hear that. At this particular moment, that's not what Kendall's come to you for, though. Yeah. Um, cut to Roman, who cleans up uh, his mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Walks out of his office, is open for business. Uh, cut back to Kendall and Steve. And Steve pitches that his firm, which I gather is a private equity firm, basically like a venture capitalist, mm-hmm. just basically a company that says, hey, rich people, give me your money, and I'm going to figure out a way to make more. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll come in and we'll basically take the company off your hands. Yeah, you, you and the siblings, you can make some, you know, just incredibly ludicrous amounts of money that you can then enjoy whatever you want for the rest of your lives and avoid this, you know, albatross that's flying over you. Which is actually a pretty compelling case, at least to me. It's like, look, you guys are all flawed and stupid. Why don't you just get rich? Yeah. Um, at a certain point with a, you know, increasingly archaic media company, not necessarily a bad idea if they're wanting to give you ludicrous amounts of money. Spencer, what would you do here if you were Kendall? 
If I was Kendall, uh, I would seriously consider that as a backup plan, but still wouldn't do it, just because I would probably view it as a betrayal of my dad. That That's clearly not what my dad wants, and he ain't dead. So that's not really an option, as tempting as it might be. Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably hate my dad if I was Kendall. Oh, we're assuming this is Logan is my dad, or my dad is my dad. <laughs> Logan is your dad. Okay, different Kendall. answer to that question may occur. <laughs> we cut back to Greg, my man, who is packing up pastries from the break room in a dog poop bag. Yes, he is. Greg, number one with a bullet, favorite character for Lee. Uh, Tom catches him and yeah. immediately calls out his shoes, weirdly enough. Yeah, it was uh, boat shoes or deck shoes? What were they? Deck shoes. That's yeah, it. they're deck shoes. Uh, Greg explains that he's completely broke. Um, he's staying at a hostel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have money. Hey, Tom doesn't allow him to even get through the spiel of, uh, hey, hey, dude, I'm broke. He just like cuts him off. He says, are you holding dog shit? Like, well, no, no. Like, um, it, it's just, and then he gets really kerfuffled, right? Yeah. Because he's like, well, isn't this free? Can I take this? Of course he can take it. Nobody gives a shit about that. But Tom is interested in the poop bag. And Greg makes a very good point. He does. Right, I love Spencer. this quote. It's just a bag. Yeah, they don't pre-poop them. They don't pre-poop them. It's just a bag. It's a good call. So, but of course, so Greg, Tom's trying Greg's to be a dick. <laughs> well, of course, uh, all the time. Uh, Tom punches down. Tom doesn't punch up. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it right there. <laughs> and Greg, Greg takes his poop bag of pastries back to his desk. And mm. Shib cuts Shib. Well, uh, uh, one detail here. Go ahead. Key detail. This is one of the interesting things about Tom. Tom take Tom taketh and giveth an equal measure, because Tom is here to punch on Greg as Tom does, but he also then just very casually gets Greg a place to stay. He just turns to his assistant and says, "Let's work out a place for Greg to stay," and then just walks out. Yeah, that's true. He, you know what he, <laughs> I think what he does is he just like gives Greg just enough, right? Yeah. I want to keep like, you don't on the really take around. care of him. Yeah, don't really take care of him, but get him just enough. Mm-hmm. Also, I think there's a level of like he understands that like the family would be a little bit embarrassed if they f- figured out that like one of the family members was actually staying at a fucking hostel. I also think he and eating pastries out of a poop bag. <laughs> he's eating pastries out of a poop bag. It's a wonderful way to put that. I I also think that both for positive and negative, he sees something of himself in Greg. Uh, I think he the last few episodes we've seen him see that as kind of like a rival to him with some of his really unnecessary attacks. But there also could be a vague element of twisted mentorship, and I'm going to love when BJ and Sarah comment on me using that word again, um, in terms of his relationship <laughs> going on with Greg. Dude, I, I just wish we could take the next week off and you could plow through Succession because I can't wait till you see season two. Oh, like, God. Uh, it's, woo. You keep saying this uh, anyway. and I get fearful. <laughs> Ah, season two is incredible. Mm. Anyway, we cut to Shib, uh, and she's meeting up with some guy uh, who clearly thinks she's there to hook up with him. Now, Spencer, question to you. You um, have a long-term girlfriend. I have a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, if your long-term girlfriend held a meeting in a hotel a four, room, four-star hotel room yeah, just to talk about things, what's your comfort level? Uh, if she didn't tell me in advance... Like, if I had no frame of reference for why she's being... Which, obviously, she did not tell Tom. Clearly not. And if this guy is pretty much strongly implied to be an ex-boyfriend, right? Or at least some prior romantic or... Some level of hookup, yeah. Level of hookup or at least a level of extensive flirtation in the past. 
if I find out about that later, I'm going to have a couple questions. I mean, I trust her. I don't think she's going to do anything. But why would you set it up in this way, in this form, and not tell me? Because that raises questions. Which is exactly this guy's point. Yeah. He's like, why am I here in a fucking hotel room if we're not, we're not hooking up? But anyway, apparently Shib, at least at this point, does not want to hook up. Yeah, there's um, a lot of flirty, though. There's a lot of flirty. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to see Shib flirting, right? Mm-hmm. Because we normally only see her as like the sort of angry sister. Yeah. Angry sister or, you know, dog parent to Tom. It's, right, so she's not like really sexualized, but in this moment you're like, oh well, okay, well she's got that gear. Okay, for most for a significant portion of this conversation before it became clear why he's actually there, I thought she was having a hookup. I thought this was okay. Shiv's having an affair. Yeah, you and I too. Anyway, uh, in some of the small talk, they talk about the different because Shiv at this point is still a political operative, mm-hmm. uh, and she's talking to clearly another political operative, and she asks. <laughs> Um, the guy, uh, what's it like working for the poor man's Che Guevara, the senior senator from the state of 1975? So this is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, this is Bernie Sanders, totally. <laughs> this is totally Bernie Sanders. Shout out to the show. Uh, but yeah, clearly uh, heavy flirting. Um, and basically she gets to the point. She goes, hey man, like, like, like this is all nice, but what I want you to do is... You be an intermediary to a third party to run a background check on Marsha. Yeah. And he kind of knows. He'll do it. He says, he says he'll do it. And he kind of vaguely knows who Marsha is, which is interesting, too. Oh, no, no. he Not vaguely. He very much knows who Marsha is, which, again, you know, adds to the fact that, like, clearly they have a history and yeah. like a significant history. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he says he'll do it, but it's going to cost a lot of money. Which she just kind of laughs off. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> And then they have this moment where he's like, what did he say? Like, uh, did you see the women I dated after you? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, they, they only dated you because of me. Like, they, they are flirting so hard here. Very, very blatantly. Like, I will be curious to see if there's any further interactions between these characters. Because this is the kind of flirting that it's no longer friend playful kind of thing. This has an intent. Yeah. You have a lot of experience with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And we cut to Greg, who is eating his pastries out of the poop bag. Yes, he is. Um, it's never going to be take, funny. He's just kind of taken in the office. Greg is just kind of doing his thing. He's doing training. He's got he's got his little headphones on. He's listening to a little training session. <laughs> we cut to Kendall. Well, well um, one of the, go ahead. did you see one of the sight gags that's going on with respect to the training that he's watching? Um, all of the, like, uh, well, we don't discriminate against XYZ. We don't discriminate against XYZ. We have a diverse workplace. When he turns around and watches this mess of executives walk in that are all white guys. <laughs> that's a good catch. Yeah, that's a very good catch. Uh, cut to Kendall, who calls Jerry. Uh, and she explains that they're down two more points, but that Sandy Furness is here. We don't know who this character is, but Kendall clearly does. He says he can't do that. Pepsi doesn't just drop in to see Coke. So, all right, now we know. Yeah, if this is, you know, some multimedia equivalent of, like, Comcast or Fox, this is like the guy who runs Warner Brothers. This is mortal enemy number one. Comcast dropping in on Time Warner. Um, Jerry says the sharks are circling and that your father would shoot Sandy on sight. And Kendall clearly has zero idea how to deal with the situation, but 
more than that, he gets frustrated that someone tells him what his father would do, right? Yeah, Very cl- obviously, clearly. It motivates him to go and meet with this guy now. Which is so stupid. Uh, so he takes the decidedly non-Logan approach, and he goes to meet with Sandy. Uh, he actually calls him Mr. Furnace. He does, which is... <laughs> Ugh, he's what a beta. Yeah, this is the kind of guy who's like really pretends to be aggressive over like email or fax or phone, but when he's actually in person... He just immediately goes obsequious. God, what a douche. Um, and he <laughs> goes in the conversation. And this Sandy Furnace offers to be his mentor. Yeah. Which, even Kendall's smart enough to go realize, well, that's a loaded gun put to my temple. Thank you for that. Uh, he tells him Balter was a good idea, which it wasn't. Yeah, clearly. Um, Kendall at least provides an accurate summary of what happened to Roman after the fact. He says, well... He said I was dead in the water and offered to finger bang me. Roman says, what'd you say? He said, I said eat shit. I'm not sure he said eat shit, but he at least understood the aggression from yeah. this guy, Sandy Furnace. And, and he didn't exactly tell him off, but he was pretty abrupt in sending him out the door there at the end. Where, you know, there's some moments in this episode of where I was actually kind of vaguely proud of Kindle. Nothing worked out well for him, but he's at least trying in a way that other people aren't. No, he's not a complete fuck up. But like Spencer, you're Kendall in this situation. Okay. Sandy Furnace is in your break room. You're dealing with this stock dip. Your dad's fucking sick. What do you do? I don't meet with him and I ask him to leave. Woo! I like it, and Spencer. I, and I publish that to the papers. God damn. I'm never going never gonna to get in a battle with you. Damn, that's cold-blooded. No, this is one of the things... I do think that's the right answer, though. No, make it public, too, that he came to try to, you know, show us on a weakness, and you sent him out. That is a showing of strength that's fine. He's done too much in terms of doing instability, but showing that kind of, this is our mortal enemy, and we're not doing any degree of weakness in meeting with him on equal terms. That would be a powerful message. But Kendall's not good with the optics at all. Or maybe you do the thing of saying, I don't know what's going on with his company. I don't know why he needs oh, us. Publish that. That'd be a good thing to publish, sure. Yeah, That's I don't know why spin. he needs to come to us. Again, but, I mean, you this know, is we're why, doing okay. This is why I we're didn't a go team. To him. <laughs> this is why we're a team. CEO, CEO and COO. We can pull this off. Let's do it. Uh, I will make sure the, the glass on our... I don't want to ask any questions clean. about your glass at all. Glass does They're not clean. go in my terrain. Completely clean. Uh, Roman tells Kendall the stock has gone below 130. Um... So, it's kind of D-Day for these guys. Back yeah. in the war room, Kendall says he feels like when, you know, like, you know what I feel like? Like, when you leave a party and everybody's talking about you. Um, you know, like, that's how I feel. And Roman, this is the fucking Roman line of the episode, says, yeah, with me it's usually, who's that young Han Solo and how do I get his dick in my ass? And Jerry's in the room throughout this entire damn conversation. Oh, yeah, he's sitting on the couch. Doesn't care. Who's that young Han Solo and how do I get his dick in my ass? Shout out to fucking Roman. Kendall seems to think that everybody hates him. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's a mixture, I think, of ego and self-pity. Ego, self-pity, and the raising his father gave him. Because I don't imagine his father instilled any degree of self-confidence in this individual. Fuck no. Uh, so Jerry, the adult in the room, lays out the choices. It's basically three. We call their bluff, which may not be a bluff. Uh, and if it's not, then we lose control of the company. Yep. Uh, two, we get the stock up, which we can't do. There's no magical way to do that unless you're you know, going to break the law. And three, 
we pay them back, which would require a stock sell-down, which would basically leave the company impotent. Mm -hmm. uh, Roman uh, hears these options and says, well, I have a really good idea. Let's take our shirt off. <laughs> which he proceeds to do. And Jerry has got to be losing hope here, right? Uh, like yeah. she lays out the. She's a very smart lady. She lays out like these are these are three options. Let's talk about it. Right. And Roman says, "I'm taking my shirt off." Mm -hmm. That it leads in a, in a vaguely productive way, or at least as productive as a you know Roman Roman Kindle meeting can kind of go. But it's an interesting opening point. Yeah, I mean, Roman does take his shirt off. Mm -hmm. uh, Kindle takes his jacket off and. Takes a couple buttons down. Mm -hmm. um, they start cooking up ideas. They do. Um, they cook up a plan to basically sell off, you know, some of, you know, the uh, uh, like the, um, you know, different parts of the company, right? Like like parks or whatever, and then also do some layoffs to, that will increase their, you know, operating cost. And then as they go, come up with this, like Roman goes, shirts off, shit. <laughs> So essentially, oh. they're going with option three. At least that's what they're representing right now. Well, they're going to attempt to, but I'm, I'm not sure they're like at the level where they know they're going to get the money to do that. They're at least getting a pathway there. Because yeah. like one of the things that Jerry points out is, okay, well, we can do that, but that's not enough money. No, nowhere near enough money. Uh, but it at least sets them on a path that clearly motivates what Kendall's next actions are. Right. So Roman goes to see Logan. He does. Uh, his ex and... Go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Uh, his ex and kids are there. Mm -hmm. And Marsha greets him. Um, and uh, she tells Kendall he can't see Logan. Politely. Kendall, Kendall tells Marsha, um, okay, well, just like, you know, if you can, you know, give him a message, tell him we're retreating. Which, oh, if there's anything... That is going to get Logan Roy out of bed is fucking Kendall and Logan or Kendall and, uh, and Roman saying, yeah, we're, we're fucking, <laughs> we're retreating here. Um, Marsha, the MVP uh, <laughs> of the episode, which, you know, you like Marsha. She says, well, I'm, I'm sure you're doing the right thing, which she obviously doesn't think that. No, but I mean, it's, it's interesting, too, when uh, they go into this little conversation. Cause I got a, a bit of a feeling that Marsha wants to know what how the business is doing. Marsha wants to know herself what his plan is because this matters as much to her as it does to anybody else too. Well, she's going to have two like uh, votes on the on the board upon Logan's death, right? Obviously, so like that that even wouldn't have started in episode one if she didn't have an interest in the business, right? No, and you made a great call that I didn't actually catch in episode one of when they're on the helicopter and Logan is like broaching terms to Shiv and Roman about what they're going to do and try to get them back into the company. And when he sets out his options and Roman does his, you know, his counteroffer, he turns to Marcia and says, how are you doing? Or something like those lines. He's clearly getting her input on the conversation, which strong, you suggest that I really agree with. She plays a role in this company that's just very subtle. That she clearly has worked with Logan in some ways for this company's operation, or at least has consulted with her about the company's decision making. And I would see that she's inclined to keep doing that. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that, right? <clears throat> because mm -hmm. she gets the information that, like, Kendall's saying, well, we're basically going to retreat. We're going to sell off parts of the company. We're going to lay off people. And that's how we're going to pay down the debt. And she goes, okay, cool. 
you know she feeds that information to Logan, and that will be important later. It's, so we got is. to uh, Kendall meets with Steve again. <laughs> yeah, Spencer, do you have a friend in your life that's Steve and don't say me? <laughs> Should I plead the fifth then? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what a douche, right? Like oh, This is a friend that can't quote friend that Kendall has, but it's clearly a guy who's just trying to take advantage of him. No, it's one of the things that plays out. We'll, we'll discuss this when it's over, but look, the plan that Kendall proposes is not necessarily a bad plan. It's just to the utterly wrong person. What a douche, yeah. So uh, Kendall pitches Steve. Uh, he says, hey, man, give me enough money to buy a majority stock in the company. And, uh, you know, well, no, hold on. Back up. I think Steve does that, right? No, I think it's Logan that really branches, that, that so Kendall really branches the idea that, you know, essentially. Okay, yeah, okay, Kendall does it. Yeah. Give us he money says, to pay off the loan. We'll dilute uh, yeah, our own ownership and we'll bring it, you in. Exactly. So we're going to go down uh, to like 30 something percent or something. And you, you will be, but obviously like the family will still have the majority, but it won't be like a plurality yeah um uh or the majority or whatever over 50 percent mm-hmm. uh whoa man whoa spencer <laughs> you okay there man three drink three drink minimum oh yeah this is um, a hard podcast once you get to the stage <laughs> uh, out of high finance we, after three uh, three drinks <laughs> we, we, we do this on every podcast i gotta ask what you drinking oh i'm drinking a, a gin and a san pellegrino you know, you are a classy motherfucker. I'm always impressed. For me, I'm drinking oh, yeah. a combination of two glasses of champagne and a beer. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm getting back into it. Okay, we're good. Uh, so he says, give me enough money to buy a majority stock. And the two of them, with Steve's company, will run the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my man, Greg, catches them. He, Oh, what, later on? when Greg? Oh, no, is Greg No, what? he sees them right then. He does, and he sees them again later. That's it. I understand now. Yeah, yeah well, Greg is fucking a phantom. He's all over this episode. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, and Steve pulls a Lee, and he explains, like, well, dude, I'm actually super hungover. Um, but can we go to the bathroom and do a line of coke? <laughs> this man knows uh, his own versions of power plays. <laughs> I know. And Kendall's trying to, like, back off it. Obviously, he's in recovery. Uh, very weird negotiation here. But from what I gather, Kendall requires that the family maintains control. Yeah. And Steve gets a board seat, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, which would be a proxy for his private equity firm, right? Of course. Given what the, they're apparently giving them a pretty substantial ownership interest in the company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Probably upwards of 20, 25%. But the family would get, they, they, suit, they do the... Um, the the percentage later it's in the thirties so the, it's in the 30s. family family will still have the most but not you know and, obviously and we don't really know how public this corporation when I mean, it's stock so presumably there's a substantial portion of the ownership which is public we just don't know the exact rates for how this works but with them at thirty something these guys are clearly getting a very large share right so we get to Tom walking around the office and he big boys Greg hard yeah he does actually walks up and says smell my breath does it stink. <laughs> You you don't do that with coworkers regularly. That I no, but but question to you: if if your boss did that to you, like obviously you'd say yeah, right? Uh, if my yeah, boss... it stinks. <laughs> I would answer yes. Breast stinks. Doesn't matter. Two Altoids later, yeah, it stinks. Yeah, you <laughs> asshole. You have to do this. It stinks. You stink. <laughs> Tom goes into a meeting room and asks the room if they could do anything or work anywhere. What would they do? So, <laughs> Tom. Tom trying to take a lifeboat. Yeah. 
And uh, really, really dumbass question. Um, not the appropriate place for a brainstorming session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ship calls, and he has to step out. This is what you were referencing yeah. earlier, Spencer. Oh my god! The middle mid, middle of the first meeting that he's chairing as an officer of the, as, a, as a senior officer of this company. The introduction Jesus. he has to his team, his fiance calls him out, and he has to leave immediately. Yeah. Like oh, without explanation, a, he just walks. What a fucking beta! Like that. Oh my god! And he knows it too, by the way. Like, you can see it on his face. He's like, Ugh, I'm losing all credibility here. I mean, what would you do if your boss called this meeting, the initial meeting you have with this team, takes a call and without explanation, walks away, and doesn't come back? What would I do? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd go back to my desk and, like, check the polls. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm really into that right now. That, that's a day. <laughs> that's a day right there. But, I, and honestly, I would be unproductive. I'd be like, well, my I don't have any direction here, right? right? This does not instill confidence in the future of this practice group. No, it, uh, and, and this is a this is a fucking pattern here that Ship continues to undercut Tom's credibility in the company, mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't even seem to know she's doing it. No, I mean, because from her perspective, Tom's value to her is nothing more than as a proxy. She doesn't care about his advancement. He, she just cares that he is an in for her in the company still. Yeah. She also probably just didn't have any... With respect to Tom, she just views him as inherently a tool to her whim and doesn't really think about the further consequences of that. Yeah. So we cut to Shib, Connor and Tom walking into Logan's apartment. I cannot get over the fact that they have a fucking elevator that goes into the living room. Yeah, that's a hell of a brownstone God. right there. <laughs> fucking level of rich that probably only you'll get to. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, I just want the listeners to know that he just said, yeah, very I, I did. Then I realized what the fuck you said. I'm like, no, shut up. Go on. <laughs> um, so they're discussing Marsha's background. Um, and they talk about Marsha marrying a Lebanese businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shib clearly has some information from this guy that she flirts with a lot. Feels the need to meet with in a fucking hotel room um, about Marsha. She and <laughs> she was mentioning gaps too it's the gaps of the most fascinating it's like that okay she was in beirut then she ended up in paris and we don't really know anything about the first 31 years of her life before that but dude when they get off that elevator shib is running hot oh yeah she's like no look i'm going up i'm seeing my dad fuck you i'm going um <laughs> Marsha says something along the lines of, are you trying to force entry? Again, whenever somebody starts using legal terms like that, ponder your position. Yeah, and Connor, who is the fucking cast-off, says, oh boy, I thought we were just stopping by. I try to avoid confrontation. Let's all breathe. Oh, God. (laughs) He is the most UN of people when it comes to these these operations. Marsha starts to get emotional and Shib mocks her, which I think that's a fucking bully move that was unnecessary. It was. It really was. Anyway, Shib blows right by her. Get ready for the most uncomfortable (laughs) moment of the episode. Are you ready, Spencer? I'm ready. Sorry for the dog. Well, this doesn't go well. Uh, Shib goes in. Hey, buddy. Your dog. He has to make an entrance. It's required. It's in his contract. Shib goes up. He, she sees Logan. Logan's in bed, clearly drugged, not feeling well. Who knows where he's at medically? And she starts talking to him, and he says, "I love you," which is a, for a moment legitimately heartwarming. 
for a moment. To get, get the little tears, get the little tears going. And then Logan tries to put his own daughter's hand down his pants. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why that nurse left in tears earlier. I would think so, Spencer. <laughs> Hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, good call. Fucking really awful. And yeah, so everybody, Marsha was right. You really shouldn't be up there dealing yeah. with him. <laughs> He's, she's legitimately speaking for his interests. Huh, gotcha, now I understand. And a little bit yours, right? Yeah, because you didn't want to have that moment with your dad. You're never going to forget that now. In keeping with that, Shib walks out very tight. Oh, yeah. She is not the same person that walked up the stairs, right? Mm-mm. She just wants out of that house now. Yeah, and Marsha proceeds to big boy Shib by insinuating that she knows that Shib ran a background check on her, right? Yeah. She says, She's interesting. Quote, if you want to know anything about me, just ask. Woo! It, it, there's a lot that's become really interesting on Marsha with these last few scenes of reveal of where, again, it's rare for anyone in the world nowadays to not have a history for decades of their life. That almost implies a degree of professional cleaning. And the fact that she immediately knows the fact that anyone, anywhere, has now conducted a bit of a search into her background, like within hours, hours or even minutes of Shiv getting the same results, is complete. It's very interesting about who this woman is and where she comes from. Ooh, are you developing a theory? Uh, I'm developing a few theories. Is, is Marsha CIA? No. I don't know enough yet to commit to that. That wasn't where I was going. But I'll get more information and get back to you as we progress through the show. All right, that'll be a bit. You know what Spencer thinks about Marsha. But yeah, Marsha clearly knew that ship was running a background check on her. She called it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet again in this episode, the MVP, the big boy, is Marsha. We cut to I mean, Kendall, I mean also, Jerry, and Roman. Go ahead. Sorry, last point. The fact that she knows that Shiv did it is really interesting. Because Shiv did it through yeah. a proxy who would have not revealed anything about the source of the reason for the background. So, so my theory on this is that she has all of the instruments of power that Logan has. Yeah, very much so. So that's how she knew. I mean, sure. like, not that she, like, was some sort of secret operative. I think she just is Logan's proxy, as she pointed out last episode. And she was able to use all those instruments to figure that out. But anyway, we cut to Kendall, Jerry, and Roman. And they're on the phone with the representative from the bank who could take their company, mm-hmm. or at least in theory. Kendall, smug as fuck, explains <laughs> they'll repay by finding a private banking partner, um, basically a private equity firm, which is his friend Steve, mm-hmm. and ends with a solid... Nice, fuck you. Yeah, and then a brotherly smile, uh, smile with Roman. Yeah, and this is Kendall's high moment in the episode. He doesn't get many, and it rapidly collapses underneath him. But this is a legitimately earned win for the next ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rough part, right? Like he's figured out the financing that like is stupid. But anyway, he's able to tell this guy fuck you without at least immediate consequence. But we yeah. got to Kendall, or sorry, go ahead and. We, we were discussing with his plan. It's not a horrible plan in his position without other viable alternatives. But it hinges on you trusting the guy that you're giving an ownership interest in your company to. Oh, I disagree. I think it's a terrible move. But we can't have that conversation for another couple episodes. Okay, we'll see. But when we get there, me and you are going to fight it out. Okay. Kendall is then out with his ex-wife. Uh, uh, uh. And you know what? Like, Kendall's a douche. But, like, he makes a joke about ordering a whole rabbit. 
Like, yeah, it's a whole rabbit, you fucking asshole. And by the way, like, you're the fucking douche that, like, has ketchup on a burrito. Yeah. It's a whole rabbit. Like, don't make fun of French rep- restaurants when you're getting, like, the McDonald's $1 burrito and putting ketchup on it. Yeah. God, I don't like this guy. Uh, I really... This, we're, we're, we'll go through this, but God, is this an uncomfortable series of interactions between two people. Not good. Not good at all. Um, Kendall makes a play in a, a very cringy moment. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, here's where I'm at. I love you. And she says, okay, thank you. No. She fires back. I'm not sure I love you. And Kendall says, well, you're wrong. Which, I mean, I'm, the ego on somebody yeah. to tell another person, well, you're wrong. You do love me. Um, but then he explains like, Hey dude, like I might be the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what fucking reason this lady has, but she ends up having super awkward, super awkward sex with Kendall. I think they have sex on a chair. It's like a chair, but not the right table. Way. And it's, but it looks like a chair, but it's not the right way. Yeah. A chair, right? Like it's, it's over the arm of a chair. There's a variety of uncomfortable objects they have sex on when they've got an empty house and a bed available. Um, Ooh, but yeah, it's a leech household. If, <laughs> if you want to question the decision making of this woman, remember that she had two children with this man. So there's been a long history of questionable decision making. Suppose so, but like, so is that what you think's going on? Like, it's just the history. I, it's not like any forward thinking from her. I don't know. I don't. Among the many relationships I don't get on this show, this one ranks high. I. I I saw it as nostalgia. That's what I saw it as her decision making. That there was a prior connection, there was a prior thing, but she has no active conscious desire to ever be with this person again. Yeah, I just don't I don't like the idea that they did this sequence after he said he was going to be the man because I think that puts, you know, potentially on his ex-wife Rava um that she's just doing this as a sort of power move. It might be. But I think that all gets sort of subverted because later on we deal with that. So we cut to Roman, um, who's in the office super early and his personal trainer is there. Roman is such a dick. Oh my God. He's like, yeah, my back is hurt. Um, I assume you're insured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm a really big deal here. So like if like a half a percent of me is not working well, like that's millions of dollars. Like Jesus Christ, Roman, why are you fucking with this guy? Anyway, he eventually starts giggling, showing the guy he's joking, but I think he's done with this personal trainer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Roman seems built on various series of power plays just to assert his control over other people. Like, Things ranging from that moment to the little kid with the check. He likes to just indicate to people that I have all power over you and I can be a flippant god about it. Consider okay. that. We need to separate two. We, 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 there's two paths here. Because there's one Roman who does the power move. That's the kid with the check. But there is a Roman that just does things to make him laugh. There is a troll Roman. And so this is what you see this is? Yeah, I, I do. I don't think this was any power move. Like I think he was just fucking with this guy. But you think and the, the poor guy, like he was yeah. panicking there for a minute. Oh yeah, he was. He was seeing the end of his career flashing before his eyes. <laughs> uh, cut to Kendall and Rava after this weird, awkward sex, where they have sex on a chair over the armrest. Very stupid. <laughs> um, Kendall pitches the idea of them getting back together. Um, he says that was nice, right? I mean, it, it, ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, nevertheless. <laughs> <sighs> yes, 
investments are not good. It's brutal. Yeah. She explains that she got a lawyer. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's that's I, great pillow talk. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say. That is just the perfect thing you ever want to hear upon cuddling with a fellow partner. <laughs> Oh, honey, I love uh, you so much. I got a lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this this is really great. We had this great sex anyway. Like, I'm divorcing you and cut me a check. Um, Kendall's phone's ringing, and it's Marsha. She says uh, Logan would like to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall thinks this is a good move. Um, I don't think so. Because uh, Kendall walks into Logan's apartment. Logan, for the first time in this episode, is out of bed. Yeah, sitting in a chair. Sitting in a chair watching uh, watching TV. and Wearing Kendall, two socks. Awkward. <laughs> you can put two socks on this time. Uh, Kendall awkwardly kisses him, and Kendall explains the stock has tanked, but he's found a, quote, private equity solution, mm-hmm. and they'll stay at 38%. That's the number I was looking for earlier, uh, which is effective control. Mm-hmm. I guess no other individual party has more than... A plurality. <laughs> well, but isn't that so stupid, though? Because, like, Multiple folks could join forces and just take you out of the company, right? Yeah, if they ever put a coalition against you. Is he really suggesting that they essentially gave up like 13% of the company? Like they went from yeah. 51 to 38? I think so. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not a good idea. As Logan tells him, because he calls Kendall close to him and says, You are a fucking idiot. <laughs> It's like the kind of thing of where he's having to summon all the will and energy in his body to say this, but it Call needs to be said. Son of fucking idiot! It's so funny though, right? Yeah. Like the idea that like this guy he had a massive stroke, he's been in terrible shape, and like he's like here's this from Marsha. Clearly heard it from Marsha, oh, of course. And he's like, okay, call him here, prop me up, and I'm gonna tell him to fuck off. Like, <laughs> And, you know, it's painful, too, because, I mean, it's hilarious. But Kendall was the closest we've seen him to happy in two episodes. And he's proud. He's feeling like, I'm going to finally get some recognition from my dad because I saved his company. I did what had to be done right here. I made a good business call. And his dad just crushes it with the first thing he said to him in days or weeks. Destroys him. And he walks away the most dejected person in the world. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, I mean, you know, in his heart, like, Kendall knows he's not Logan. No. And never will be. He wants his dad to tell him he did a good job. And the fact that his dad, the first thing he does, first thing, you know, is tell Kendall he fucked up. Like, that's not great. But we cut to my favorite moment of the episode. My main man, Greg, is walking in Central Park. Spencer, crisp suit crisp yeah he's going up in the my world. man got my man got his first paycheck oh yeah and he spent it well spencer is that how you look when you're going into into work god no i exist in a perpetual state of frump and you know this <laughs> you didn't tailor your suits no god no i actually i literally have hand-me-down suits this is me we're talking about hand-me-down suits okay we're gonna table that for whiskey on the weekends and then we cut to uh he, greg sees steve this private venture capitalist who's you know proposing to kendall to who he knows have enough money have enough money to pay off this debtor to deal with this whole thing he's with sandy furness yep which we know from this episode sandy furness is like the fucking worst he's like the 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 real um competition Mm -hmm. for race star warcraft which raises two practical scenarios a this was all orchestrated from the get-go 
it wasn't, but uh, Stevie went to Sandy when he had the option to say, hey, uh, how about you give me this money so I can do this? Or let's throw out a third option, C, I've got this interest now, how about I use this essentially on your behalf to help control the company? Okay, if you had a vote, A, B, C, go. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with option B, that this wasn't something that was literally set in motion by Sandy because it was Kindle that called the meeting with Stevie, but Stevie went to Sandy seeing the opportunity immediately after it happened. Yeah, if I put myself in the perspective uh, or the mindset that I was watching this episode the first time, I would have said C. I think C is probably... Okay, I think, I think, I think B or C are the most reasonable. So we cut to Kendall. He's walking out of Logan's apartment. And as you've pointed out, completely dejected. His dad, first words (laughs) out of a fucking coma are, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Husk of a person. All right, Spencer, that wraps Succession Episode 3, titled Lifeboats. Anything you want to talk about sort of holistically about the episode, how you felt about it? Uh, Again, this episode was really heavily centered around Kendall, uh, about his highs and his lows, about his expectations and his hopes and dreams, and about how life is existing to thwart them. This is a man who may have in some ways more together than any of his siblings, which is a weird thing to say, but he still is utterly incapable in surviving in the world he wants to be able to prosper in. And there's an element of tragedy about that. I mean, this show is very much farce it is satirical it's funny but there is a certain element of almost shakespearean drama about the element of tragedy in each of these characters lives and it's well played and well done this is a show that you can enjoy from a lot of different perspectives and i'm just thankful you recommended it because i other than the barrage barrage of ads that i'm getting from hbo for this show now i wouldn't have picked it up other than for your recommendation yeah so (laughs) i agree Obviously a great show. Good episode. Uh, not a great episode, but a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to award best Roman line of the episode. Oh, Are you ready? Please. Yeah. Who is that young Han Solo? And how do I get his dick in my ass? <laughs> Solid line. <laughs> Solid line. I... Yeah. That's a, new, that's a new bit on the fly. That's what we do here. Okay. I'm ready to make this a thing. <laughs> yeah really enjoyed it spencer thank you for doing this with me we'll hit succession episode four next week anything else you want to say before we depart looking forward to it all right appreciate it buddy talk to you later see you